Are you tired of being sick? If your answer is yes, visit Herbal Blessings. <clears throat> this is Dr. Asiatic Black. We live in a world of addictive foods, habits, stress, and we know firsthand that it's a challenge to make changes to our lifestyles. Herbal Blessings is supporting your journey to better health. Herbal Blessings has what you need. Herbal Blessings has over 250 herbs, herbal blends, tea bar, sage, gemstones, and more. Open Tuesday through Saturdays, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. PM, located at 614 North Ferris Street in the Ferris Street Historic District. Stop by and feed your body what it needs. Give us a call and book your consultation at 769-216-3450. Boost your immune system today. Herbal Blessings. <laughs> a blessing that is not in disguise. This is Asiatic Black reminding you to check out Temple Reconstruction Fitness. That's Temple Reconstruction Fitness. Located at 1625 East County Line Road, Suite 170, Jackson, Mississippi. Now check this out. This, 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 this is what we offer. Weight training, core training, flexibility, nutritional recommendations with low registration fees. Come on by and check us out. Class times, Mondays and Wednesdays starting at 6 a.m. and 7 p.m. And Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Register today at www www.templerecfitness.com Check us out on social media or call 601-899-2961 Temple Reconstruction Fitness Ah! Asiatic Black. What's happening, people? What's going on, family? Two Black, Two Strong, Mega Blast. This is Asiatic Black. And we got another, 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 another local world renowned i don't i don't even know what to call the man is i'm talking about the man the man of the man i'm talking about man i i, I don't know man this track record so long man i hope y'all got you uh got you some tea and some water and all that good stuff man because it's gonna it's gonna be quite a ride tonight y'all can see that picture that's that's that now i stuck that picture in there because that's one of my favorite artists uh Oh, eyes, man. That man, that cool as a fan, man. Hey, y'all just look at that. That's that's a picture of beauty right there, man. But anyway, man, let's 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 move on down the line just a little bit. I got a couple more I want to throw on the screen right there. Uh matter of fact. And an uh, extraordinary, extraordinary human being. Uh, I have been uh, knowing him for years. We're going to check to see if I got him. I think I got him behind the curtain here. We're going to try to pull him forward. But uh, there's one thing that can be said about Ron Carbo is intelligent. And it is motivating to many individuals to see an African-American pave the way for others, but especially in the entertainment community which I am a part of. And I hope this stream, we got an unstated stream tonight, so we're going <clears> to <throat> do our best to scurry down through it. You know, with this old 5G thing going on, they trying their best, man, to get it done and uh, keep keep us, us paying at the same time. But without further ado, man, introducing the man of the hour, Mr. Ron Carbo. Ron, what's going on, brother? What's going on, man? You good? I ain't got no other choice, man. You know, once we stand up and zip the pants up, man, and, uh, you know, stretch a little bit, it's over with, man. We have to get down and do what we have to do. How you been? Anyway, anyway man, uh, it's a pleasure to have, have you on here, man. King's Corner, man. I, 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 I sort of uh, put this together a few years ago, 
And uh, I left it alone for a minute and did not build the momentum. If I had stayed on it, man, it'd probably be worldwide by now. But King's, King's Corner, man, is something to bring to shed light, man, on uh, positive individuals such as yourself. Uh, I respect you and your craft, man, and things you've been doing for many, many years. And, man, you got a hell of a track. One thing I can say, man, this King's Corner thing, man, is going to be something to push forward. And I uh, have to reach out to you, man, because uh, this 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 track record you got here, this bio, man, is extremely Man, I, I need my daughter to read it because there's so many words on here, man. But tell the people, introduce yourself, man. Tell the people a little bit about yourself. Well, I'll get this camera together. All right, I'm Ron Carbo. I'm uh, from New Orleans, as a matter of fact. Not, uh, I'm, I'm basically an uh, honorary Mississippian now because uh, I've been here. I've been here uh, 25 years. I've been here. Mm -hmm. I'm a engineer, manager. Tour manager, uh, you name it, conductor. You know, I've, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of different people, and uh, the industry's been good. To me. Okay, I like, right. like those to say, man. You know, I, I've been knowing you for at least twenty years. I, I would guess. No, it's been a little. It's been a little longer than that. Uh, I got to send. I have. Yeah, I have to send you a video, man. I found a video. My father used to do uh, videography back in the 90s. And uh, I found a video of you and I. We were, we were in suits. And I believe it was uh, 98, 99. And I found another one in 2001. And you were on both of them, uh, standing in the crowd. Uh, one of them, Stan, was doing the spring. He used to do a spring festival every year. And uh, the, the the second one I found, man, I found it about two weeks ago. And uh, yeah, you was out there in the crowd, man, uh, finesse. I was, and I was, I was behaving myself, wasn't I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You was always behaving yourself. I ain't never caught you out of line, man. I ain't never caught you out of line. That's one thing I can't say. Can't say that about too many people, even myself. But uh, <laughs> you was in line. But uh, yeah, man, it's been a little longer than that. But then uh, you... I mean, you was you was born and uh, raised in New Orleans. Uh, Mother Marion Carbo, uh, grandmother, and you grew up in the Seventh Ward, New Orleans. Spent spending your teenage years developing your skills in in music, dancer, and as an athlete. Uh, attending uh, Marion Abramson High School. Okay, so you went to uh, school for creative arts. And uh, you you got man, it's so many. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna skip through that and let you tell because you can tell a little bit about yourself a little faster than I can. So tell a little bit about yourself, man, and let's 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 get this thing started. Ah, uh, basically, you, you you gave the early years. Um, after I graduated from high school, I went to Grambling State University and, and marched in the band for one year. I played uh, ran track. Played a little bit of football, but I, you know, I figured I wasn't going to the pros, so I stuck to the bank. So after that year, I transferred to Southern in Baton Rouge with the famous human jukebox and uh, marched in that band. But I only stayed a year because I had an offer to go to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. So then I, I set out for a year and I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. That's what I did my four years. And then I, I, while I was up there, I worked with Maurice Starr. Uh, if you don't know, that's the guy who created uh, New Edition and New Kids on the Block. Mm. And I worked for him for many years, almost uh, nine years. And I left there and went to New York and worked with uh, Quincy Marcellus, nine-time Grammy winner, Jazz, Jazz as a arranger and conductor. And then I uh, left there and went with Brian McKnight. And at that time, I had moved to Mississippi. You know, from there, and then I got, I was fortunate to work with a ton of, I built the Soul Kitchen Studios here in Clinton, Mississippi. And right. I was fortunate to work with a ton of Mississippi artists. Everybody from David Banner to Reese and Bigelow, uh, the true creators of Never Scared to uh, uh, Boo Rossini, uh, Kamikaze, I mean, you name it. I mean, everybody's, every, you know, everybody's been there. Mm-hmm. Like so, uh, 
what uh what 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 really ha or have you ever even thought of it like this what really gave you the initiative to want to deal with music was it anybody in your family that dealt with it what uh, made you like, want to deal with music you know coming from new orleans it's, it's kind of in your in your blood yeah you know what i mean because new orleans is a very cultural city so it's like you know we even start our music programs in in the third grade where in, mm -hmm. in mississippi i think they don't start until probably junior high Right. So we start, you know, we start real early, you know, you got Mardi Gras, you got all the music festivals, so you're constantly surrounded by music. So you can't help but to, you know, embrace it because it's, you're just surrounded by it all the time. Okay. You know, you know, all at right. some point, all kids, you know, all of us at some point always wanted to be that star. You saw, you know, we watched Soul Train or something like that. And you could, you know, you dreamed of seeing yourself on the stage. So, you know, that was, you know, it was all a part of it. <laughs> Okay, did you get on your uh did you get on your parents' nerves, man, back in the day, man? Cause I know I did. Making noise in the in the house with music. Of course. You know, you know, I had <laughs> I had that, you know, I had the little uh cassette deck with the, the mono cassette deck. Mm -hmm. We had one turntable and we had a cassette player and I was learning how to mix with the turntable and the cassette deck together and you know, around there and beating on pots and pans and you know, you know, making as much mm -hmm. noise as you could possibly make. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And you I did a my mom, I told my mom early on, I said, you know, I wanted to play drums. She said, Hell no. You better <laughs> gonna have all these drums in the house, all that noise. Right. Okay. All right. Now you did uh Jackson State, Mississippi College of Business in Clinton, Mississippi College of uh School of Law in Jackson, Mississippi. So you kinda you 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 moved around a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got um Currently, I have six degrees. Six? So, uh, six, yeah. How does a man like you stay so humble? Well, I mean, I'm just an everyday person. I, I I grew up with nothing. So, you know, I just never had nothing. So I don't, I don't really have a, you know, I never really developed an ego. I was surrounded by the right people, I guess. I, Those I, who I, always could put me in check. Yeah, I, I guess that, that that has something to do with it, man, because, I mean, you know, most people in the industry today, they teach if you had never had nothing, man, to get out there and just, you know, just just buck wild. I, I, I listen to a, a whole lot of different artists, uh, musicians and all of that, man. And when they come up, especially coming from the South, man, and they get a little piece of money, man, they usually they, they, they go left. They they go all the way in. See, but that's, that's, that that's only going to last for a certain amount of time. Once it's over, mm -hmm. once the checks stop coming in, then, then you're in trouble. Right. And being around the stars that you have, man, the magnitude of stars, man, I went back on your, uh, and this this is something that a lot of people don't know about. Well, a lot of the younger people don't know about. MySpace. I went to MySpace page. Man, you got I'm some stars. Yeah, bro, you got some stars on there. In case y'all don't know what MySpace is, y'all make sure y'all look up that. Matter of fact, look up Ron Carbo's MySpace page. Just Google Ron Carbo, and you'll see. I think the first picture you're gonna see is a picture of him and Janet Jackson, uh, and him. Uh, uh, I believe uh, Terry Lewis, or one of the one of those producers. No, actually, all all of those pictures are on my Facebook and Instagram page. Okay. Okay. I clicked on the first. With my, they're not familiar with MySpace. That was the. That was the the, the first, <laughs> like a first version of a of Facebook. Yeah, it was. Kind of, it was kind of like Facebook, and uh, they went out of business, and Facebook took over. Yeah, well, they they hadn't gone out of business. Matter of fact, man, you know a lot of. I think they pushed us away from uh, MySpace, and then they went back to MySpace. You know, the upper, the upper echelon type people. I think they they pushed us away, and they went back. So you got six degrees. Came from New Orleans, and uh, let's get down to the, some of this professional experience, man. Touring experience, touring and event experience, work experience, live uh, studio engineering experience, music copywriting and arranging, orchestra orchestration uh, experience. Tell us a little bit about that, man. It kind of school you, if you know, take a, a little time. You know, we can't take up too much time, but take a little time and, and tell some of the musicians that may be 
uh, interested in getting in music, man, the best way to do it without making uh, so many mistakes. I mean, you know, mistakes are going to be made, but, you know, y'all listen to a gentleman uh, such as Mr. Carbo here. You can get into the music industry a lot easier. And this is another reason I created the show. Well, the bottom line is, first of all, a lot of young young artists never reach out to one to like people like you and I who've been in the business for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, because they could bypass a lot of the mistakes because we've already made them. You know, so we could guide them. You know, I always have guys come to me with bad contracts. Hey, man, I signed this contract, and, and they're they trying to rip me off. It's like, why didn't you come see me first? You know, you saw me after you signed it. So now, now we got a problem. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of artists, you know, they have to prepare. They have to do the homework. But right now is the best time ever for independent artists because of social media and, and you know, TuneCore and DistroKid and all of that. I mean, you don't have to wait for the label or, or you know, really get ripped off by major labels just to try to get out there. So, I mean, right now is a good time for artists. You gotta hustle. The blueprint mm-hmm. that we normally had that we grew up with, that blueprint is not there anymore. So it's really about how creative and, and you know, how ingenious you are, you become in, in developing your brain. It's really about developing a brain. Okay. Now, uh, what, what are some of the experiences that you had in the early years that uh may have deterred you or did you have any experiences that no, there's no it's no way to be in the entertainment industry and not have okay so tell us a little bit about all, some of the experiences all, you may have you know we all get burnt in the industry i mean it's just the nature it's just the nature of the game like when i first started out i was working with a a, a mega group and a mega producer i don't want to call names out of respect but okay I was something. I was. A, I was the type of person you would call. My position was a ghost writer and producer. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know what a ghost writer and producer is, many of the artists that you hear on the market today really don't write their own music. It might say that in the credits, but they got there are people behind the scenes that's doing all of the writing, uh, all of the arranging, all of the producing, but they don't get the credit. They get paid very well. You get all the accolades, but you don't get the credit. And that sometimes that's that's the price you pay for getting into the business. So early on in my career, I opted to be a music, you know, just to be a ghostwriter, producer, and arranger in order to get my foot in the door. But, it, you know, later on down the line, like I look at it nowadays, it would have been nice to have those credits. Although I got the gold and platinum on the wall and I got paid very well, it still would be nice to have those credits so that I could look back or somebody could look it up. Right. Unless you come, unless you come to the house and see the plaque, you would never even know I had any association with some of those big plaques. Do you regret, now, now speaking on that, I do know that you do regret it to a certain standpoint, but uh, do you, do you regret, regret it to the, to the point of, uh, you know, it, it dwelling or how, how do you deal with that? It, no, I didn't it, regret it because it opened the door for me to be in the game. So okay, that was just a necessary step to get in because you, know, you either got to know somebody, you have to have extraordinary skills, or you just got to be lucky as hell. So sometimes right. that was my way in, you know, to do that. It put me in the mix. I was in the studio every day. I was, I was working with all of the top people. So once you're in, and then you get you a couple of, you know, big records, then, you know, it's up to you then. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the biggest step is just getting through the door. Right. Like okay. when I worked for Maurice Starr, when I worked for Maurice Starr, the first position I took with Maurice Starr was a janitor. Wow. I got into the studio. I, I, I took a janitor's position, and I worked that position for almost, almost six to eight months. But I didn't have any skills as a producer or engineer at that point. I was just graduating from Berkeley. I didn't have any skills. So the only way for me to get in was to be a janitor. That was the only position that was open. So I stayed in there and I learned the skills. By being a janitor, I had keys to the studio. So I was able to stay after the studio closed and practice. Uh. I, would, I, would watch, I would talk to the engineers all day and watch them and 
bug the hell out of them. And then when the studio closed, because I had keys, I could stay to three or four in the morning. So then one night, Maurice Starr called the studio. I say, hey, man. He called like 3.30 in the morning. I answered his phone. The first thing he was like, man, what the hell are you doing here? I said, well, you know, I hadn't finished cleaning up everything. I, I might have spilled some stuff in the studio. I was just finishing up before tomorrow. But in reality, I was in there playing on the machine. He said, uh, <laughs> so then he said, uh, anybody, any of the engineers there? I said, no, everybody's gone. He said, damn, I had an idea I wanted to put down before I forget it. Well, I had been playing around on the equipment for about six to eight months. So I could record you. I mean, I couldn't have mixed the record, but I could record. Right. I told him, I said, well, come on in. You know, uh, I'll record. And he said, you? I said, yeah. I said, I mean, that was, that was my first recording session ever that I actually ran myself. The first one ever, and it was with Maurice Stark. Were you so, nervous? Well, I mean, I was already a janitor. How much worse did you get? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't, get, I couldn't get much worse than that. So I, wasn't, I, mean, I didn't have no reason to be nervous. So he came right. in and we recorded it. I put it on tape. That was on a Thursday. I went to work Friday. Uh, Monday when I got to work, there was another janitor. So this one job that I hated so much, I ran in the office fighting for that job. because I didn't want to lose my job as the janitor. Right. And, our, and the studio manager said, no, man, uh, Maurice moved you up to assistant engineer. And then that, from there, that's how it took off. But the, but the biggest part of the story is, if I'd have been too prideful or had too much of an ego to take that janitor position, I may not have ever launched my career. Man, you know what? You took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to say, this is a, you just dropped a jewel, a very important jewel. And in case that went over some of you all's head, I'm going to say that again. The man thought like a pimp. He took, <laughs> he took a position that everybody talk about that's very much needed that is a disgrace to most people. Use that position to better himself and to bring himself to stardom. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a story right there, brother. You need to drop that on your Instagram page. Just a little clip of, of how you that 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 right there could because today is the, the day of pride. Everybody's pride. Everybody's and, and, pride. We're also in the microwave effort. Right. So everybody wants to be a star overnight. They want to be. I had a guy, <laughs> I had a guy about six months ago. He called me and said, man, can I come hang out in the studio and, and just observe and watch what, what y'all do? Said, All right, man, cool. Because usually I don't turn anybody down when they're trying to learn. Mm -hmm. So when I call a dude about coming to the session, I say, well, we got something tonight. If you want to come check it out. First thing he asked me was how much you paint. Come on, Ron. See, your reaction was the same reaction I had. So I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I'm not paying you to come and watch. You coming to learn something. He's like, well, man, I just can't come to the session for free. How did you handle that? How did you handle that, man? I just said, all right, fine. I left it at that. See, you, see I, you know what? I can learn something from you. I would have cussed that man in 12 different languages. No, nah, because he's already he already lost. So it didn't matter, it, you know, to cuss him when that's not benefiting everything. He's already lost because he missed the opportunity. I just told you I can learn from that, brother. You know, God work in mysterious ways, and it, it you know that's that's the second time today, man. Just out of interviewing somebody, I learned something because I'd ate him up. I would have ate him. I would. We're we're moving. We'll move on. We got a question, man. Uh, Jarlin Pink, who did you want to work with when you first got out of Berkeley? Who did you want to work with when you first got out of Berkeley? Well, it was funny. The person that I actually wanted to work with was Maurice Stark because I had been hearing about him and I had been reading about him in the newspaper and I always wanted to meet him. Mm -hmm. Funny, that's a funny, it's a funny story that come with that. So I wanted to meet the guy. So it was, it was a guy named uh, Greg McPherson who worked at Berkeley. He was one of the few black professors. Well, he had quit to go work with Maurice Starr because they, they were doing New Kids on the Block. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. I had read about it in the newspaper. So when I ran across Greg, I said, hey, man, I want to learn how to produce an engineer. He said, well, come on to the studio. But like the traditional and the average student, I procrastinated and never showed up. For like three months. Just, Why? just didn't. Just didn't. Okay. I was having fun. I was kicking it, having a good time. So I wasn't, you know, at right. that moment in time, uh -huh. I was. I wanted to do the job. But once I got, once I left and hooked up with some girls or whatever, then, you know, all that was out of the window. Right. So I ran to him again, asked him again. He said, come on to the studio. I procrastinated again. So about a couple of months later, I ran into him at church. He was the organ player. And uh, I asked, he said, man, don't bother me with that no more because you're not serious. So I was like, cool. All right, whatever. So, but he said, I need a ride to the studio. Can you drop me off? All right, cool. So when I got to the studio, he said, well, come on upstairs. We went upstairs. I walked in. It was all these mixing boards and machines. I was like, man, I always wanted to do this. He said, I've been trying to get you here for almost six months. At that point, I was hooked. So we sitting now chopping it up in the studio. So this big guy came in, kind of heavy set, had a ponytail, had a box of chicken and a guitar. He came in and sat down on the sofa. So we all sitting around talking and stuff. But I asked Greg, I said, man, you ever heard of a guy named Maurice Starr? And they both started laughing at me. I was like <laughs> wondering why they're laughing at me, not realizing that the guy with the guitar and the chicken was Maurice Starr. I'm sitting right in front of him, in his studio. I'm sitting in his studio in front of him, didn't even know who he was. I bet you heard that. I bet you heard that that uh, Price is Right sound. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, after that, you know, after, after I got, you know, after I, you know, got past the embarrassment of it, right? And you know, everything. He was really, he was really cool with me. So you know, it was worked out. But but the other story, the other message in that story is, I wasted six to eight eight months of developing my skills and being in the mix by just procrastinating. Mm. You know, I just but it was worth it. Right. I mean, it paid off, but I mean, I could have been in there six to eight months early. Mm -hmm. You know, who knows what I might have missed, but then it could have been timing also. Sometimes I believe in timing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So everything worked out for the best. Man, that's crazy. So if, if y'all want... It paid off good because my, my very first project sold 10 million copies. 10 million? 10 million. Wow. Damn, man! If y'all want to ask any questions, man, hit the comment section. Uh, and, and and feel free to hit the comment section because it's it's so much we could talk about. All right, now I'm gonna run through a little bit of this. Hopefully, I don't stagger too much. He named some of them, but I'm gonna name them again. Here's some of the people that he worked with, some of the groups that he worked with. Recent Bigelow, Young Gun, Kamikaze, Triple Threat. Buddha Boss Player, David Banner, Adore, Jolivet Anderson, Future Shock, Ernest J. Lee, and the Spirit of David, Winton, Marcellus, New Kids on the Block, Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, Sister Act Soundtrack, Talking Dirty After Dark Soundtrack, Carnegie Hall, Hall Christmas Concert, um, Terrence Blanchard, Perfect Gentleman, Tiffany, Rick West, Chris Pittman, Classic Example, Homework, Calvin Carr, Minko, Joyful Commanders. He got book credits uh, in here as well. Vernacular Harmony, Harmony The Breathless uh, Present, Jazz and the Bittersweet Blues of Life. That's Winter Marcellus. Uh, sweet. Swing, uh, swing blues on the road. Marcellus on music. Uh, there is awards here, Grammy awards. I mean, you won several awards. I'm gonna let you tell us about that, man. Tell us about the awards that you won. Well, got a Grammy for working with Win Marcellus. We got an American Music Award with New Kids. Got trying to look on the wall. Got a. Uh, 130 gold and platinum. Wow. I got uh, eight diamond plaques. I got uh, 
eight diamond. Explain, explain to the people what diamond is. Well, well, gold, gold, platinum, and diamond plaques are. It's based off of the um, the sales of the record sales. So, a gold record is five hundred thousand records. A platinum is one million. A diamond is ten million or more. Mm. So I got eight. Damn. I got eight diamonds. I got eight diamond plaques. Uh, Man, this... the biggest one was the biggest one was Hootie and the Blowfish. They sold twenty-one million. Twenty-one million. Man, it. Do you ever just stop and just look at your hands, man? You gotta keep growing. You can't stop where you at. Man, that's a hell of a thing, bro. I don't know about y'all, man, but I am impressed. Oh yeah. That's what y'all see on TV. Right in the state of Mississippi, man. Ron Carbo. As y'all see it. Uh John, Minister John Taylor Jr. says. Are you managing any gospel artists? <clears throat> actually, I'm trying to get out of managing. Actually, um, but I can actually, but I have no issue with uh, being a consultant. Okay. All you right. Know, so, you got you got questions or whatever, you feel free to call me. I have no issue. I have no problem. Mm. Just the man on my time. I just I don't I don't just have a lot of time. Yeah, you 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 uh you volunteer a lot of your time as well. I give away a lot of free. I give okay. away a lot of free studio time. Wow, man! You know, it's funny for, for like you know it was funny for like five or six years. I was I would always do this little tour of black colleges and talk to the students. Uh -huh. A lot of students would always say, um, you know, I always want I want to recall, but you know, we college students, we don't have no money. So I say, all right, cool. I'll come. You can come to the studio. I'll do a song for you for free. You know, they in five years, no one ever showed up. Not a single person. But when I charged them, they did show up. I found that to be very prominent in the club business, but I didn't think it would be in, in, in production or anything like that. That's crazy. When I, for, when I opened the door for them, they wouldn't show. But if I, if I charge them, they would show up. I see you got this, Kenny G. I see you got Kenny G on here. Yeah. Man. Cindy Lauper. D'Angelo. Michael Bolton. Drew Hill. Janet Jackson. Lil' Kim. 112. Gap Band. Junior Mafia. Tevin Campbell. Grover Washington Jr. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Lil' Flip. Zane, Isley Brothers, Usher, Brian McKnight, Donnell Jones, Silk, Ludacris, Twister, Luther Vandross, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Next, <laughs> Temptations, Elton John, Tina Turner, Maya, 702, Robert Johnson, James Brown, Method Man, Eddie Money, Barbara Streisand, Aretha Franklin, Naughty by Nature, Ken Burns Jazz, Eric Benet, Brownstone, Montel Jordan, Sister Man, Jeffrey Osborne, Shanice, SWV, Annie, Paul Simon, Crystal Waters, CC Peniston, Mint Condition, 702. Lionel Richie, Neville Brothers, Zap, Maze, Next, uh, Next again, uh, Mario, Lil Wayne, Chico DeBarge, The Deal, Public Enemy, KRS One, Midnight Star, <clears throat> Michael Franks, Cameo, Pat Metheny, Parliament, Lisa Lisa and Coat Jam, Houdini. James Ingram, Peebo Bryson, The Whispers, OJ, Shaka Khan, man, this goes on and on and on, bro. We got eight pages, eight, nine pages here. Well, you got to realize, man, that next year I've been in the business 39 years. 
I got 39 years in the business. Man, it's breathtaking. Um, we got another question here. What piece of gear do you have that you will not part with no matter the advancements in hardware? Looking at my rack back here for right here. Uh, <laughs> my Avalon 737 preamp. Avalon 737 preamp. Yep. If you're in the producer uh entertainment, you know, in the producer area of entertainment, y'all know what that is and why. Because I love the way it makes the mic, you know, it gives the mic a real warm, fat sound. I mean, just you know. I got good mics too, but that adds that little extra flavor. Okay. What uh what mics do you use? Uh what's the oldest mic that you use? I, mean, I got some Newmans, I got some audio techs, I got AKGs, I got sure mics. Um that's that's pretty that's that's probably that's pretty much the ones I use all the time. What's the highest paid? What's the highest that you've paid for a microphone? Oh, five grand. Well, seven, five, seven grand. Seven thousand dollars for a microphone, and the cheapest. For the cheapest? Yeah. Hundred bucks. And what's the what's the difference? It was like a little radio. Is is what you're looking for? So, with the high end mic, that's what you talk. You recall good vocals, live live. Uh, Acoustic guitar, stuff like that. Violin player, if you're doing it. That cheap mic, I might be looking for a radio sound. I might be looking for an old vintage. Let's say I'm doing a blues album, mm -hmm. and we want it to sound like it, like it was recorded in the '50s or the, or the you know '40s or the '50s. Right. And I use that little scratchy old mic. Right. You know to okay. try to capture that sound. You know to right. try to put it in that that period in time. Exactly, man. You got you got it's. It, it, I'm, I'm, I'm. We should be charging for this. As a matter of fact, man, give them your cash app, man. If they want to donate something, y'all go ahead and donate. Look, man. I don't, for any artist that's trying to climb the ladder and trying to bend, trying to trying to break through, uh -huh. the same way I did, I don't charge a dime. If don't you charge sit, If you're willing to sit down and listen, right? And Renee Carwell. Uh, if we're doing a lecture series, if we're doing uh, a, a panel at a, at, at a university or something, then, you know, you might have to come across the table with a few dollars. But as far as the upcoming artist, somebody gave me knowledge and helped me out. Why should I charge somebody else? Humble and experience in. Dropped another jewel. Uh, Renee Caldwell says to you. Uh, and me she's, a phenomenal, she's a phenomenal uh, vocalist out of Freeport, Louisiana. Um, okay. All can't right. wait to work with her one day. She, she's doing really, really well. She just won some award. Uh, I can't call the name of the award, but you know, I was very happy to see that. See that she did that. that was very uh, encouraging to see her do. That. Okay. All right, Mr. John Taylor Jr. says he took an old song that was in media base since 2015 and this year was able to get on the Nielsen BDS Top 100 Internet panel. What do you think about charting on BDS and let artists know how you how you got to work? So basically, there's two questions. Uh, what do you think about charting on BDS? I mean, you can get if you anywhere you can chart, try to chart. You know what I mean? In this day and time, right? Any noise that you can make. I mean, what people got to realize first of all, the average artist is not going to make a dime off the internet. It's, okay. It's in these days, you know I mean, it's just the streaming. The streaming fees are not are not large enough. Like back in the day when we were, you could get the ten million dollar record deal. You had physical product that you could sell. Mm -hmm. You know, we paid a ton of money. But now, a new album come out, all you got to do is wait a day or two, and then you can steal it off of YouTube. Mm. You know, or all I got to do is pay $9.99. Why buy your CD for, for $10 or, or whatever, and I can spend 
and get a Spotify account and listen to your CD and everybody else too. So right now, because I can listen to everybody else, I have no reason to buy your CD. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's, that's killing the game. That, that's streaming really killed the game. People who are making the money on the streaming or, or the streaming service. Uh huh. And and this is a personal question I want to ask you. <clears throat> Hold on, can we finish, can we finish this, this question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was another part of that question as well. Yeah. Uh, let artists know how you how you got to work. I I think he's what he's saying is like, how hard. How much, look, man. When I when I when I was in the studio when I when I was coming up, I had an apartment in Boston. I was paying nine hundred dollars a month. And I was never there because I slept in the studio. I had a backpack with a pair of drawers, a t-shirt, toothbrush, and some deodorant. And I actually lived in the studio because I didn't want to miss anything. I was there. I, you know, after I got off work, I stayed there and I worked on the equipment. I played around with it. I stayed there at four or five in the morning. The studio was opening up at eight. I'd go home at five or something, take a shower, eat some breakfast. And I was back at the studio. Mm, mm, mm. It's it's all about it's, it's it's a lifestyle. It's not it's not a job. It's a lifestyle. You gotta it love it. If you it ain't if you don't love it, then you're wasting your time. Mm-hmm. Okay. You gotta understand that I'm willing. I was willing to do this whether I got paid or not, because it's just a, it's a lifestyle. Just like so, you, you were yeah. gonna spend records whether you got paid or not, because that's yeah. what that was your passion. Right, right. You know, if you don't have that type of passion, then you're wasting your time in this. Yeah, I got that studio bug right now. I'm sitting beside a, a, a an air mattress right now. <laughs> I <know>. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Okay, all right. So, so now my my question is this right here, man. Uh, how, and this is something that you can help me and several others with. How can we, at this point? become uh work towards becoming independent what i mean by that is you got artists now man that will make a song they come to my studio record a song come to your studio and record a song give it to tune core somebody like that the next time they get ready to listen to it or play it they go live and they get a copyright strike or get their video taken down because they played their own damn song. Right. Well, what they got to do, first of all, what they got to do, they got to, um, you talking about a strike like on Facebook? Uh, no, actually, the copyright strike is going to come from uh, YouTube. YouTube? The, yeah, uh, Facebook is going to. They have to, they have to email or reach out to the <clears throat> people at YouTube and let them know that they are the artist. You Trust have me. A picture of your ID, uh, ID picture, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or a picture of the copyright if you've copyrighted the song. Yeah. Let them know that you are the actual artist. We've tried that, and it didn't work. Really? I know two. I know two or three artists that tried that. Now we we didn't we didn't press the issue. Right. But we actually emailed a couple of artists because when I started streaming, I started off doing video shows. And what I would do up front, I got licensing, and this is something that I'm going to teach y'all. I got licensing from ASCAP, um, BMI. BMI, and uh, CSAC. CSAC, yep. And uh, I got permission forms from the artist before I played the videos or the songs. A release got them. Yeah, I got those uh, 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 notarized, and I sent them to the company, YouTube, Google, actually, and uh, Facebook. And we still was getting copyright uh, warnings, and I didn't get too many you know, videos taken down, but I got several warnings until the fact that they took one of my YouTube pages. And I kind of messed around and left it alone. And then the artists started worrying me about it. So, you know, of course, they were, they were, that some of them were paying. So I had to get back on it. And I, you know, started emailing the folks, man. And they, oh, they was nasty with it. 
I'm talking about nasty with it. They treated us so so wrong. And then some of the artists started trying to do something about it themselves. And we never could get anything done. So at this point, man, we're still trying to do that because I'm working with uh, Minister John Taylor Jr. And I'm trying to tell him all the time, we got to create some type of avenue where we can handle our music. Basically, that's that's my question. What 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 See, the one, advice? One of the, biggest, one of the biggest problems that we're running into is like I, I explained to a lot of artists. Um, you got to put gas in your car. You got to pay rent. You got to buy groceries. You got to pay your insurance. Mm-hmm. You don't have to buy music. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Music mm -hmm. is not a necessity. So what is it about you or your music that could convince people to buy into you? That's, that's the biggest hurdle that you have to get over. Like, you know, what will make this person spend money on you? Mm -hmm. So is it you as a brand or is it just your music? I would suggest that you develop a brand because this record might not do what, like, look at Puff. Puffy developed a brand. So now mm -hmm. that bad boy is not really making records, he's still doing what he has to do, and he's still a household name because he built a brand. He was the brand. It wasn't bad boy. It was him. Bad mm -hmm. boy was just part of his brand. So artists need to look at building brands. Right. You know, you should have your merchandise. You should have podcasts. You should have... Uh, uh, YouTube channels. You should be making music and streaming. You should be, you know, you should be doing lecture circuits. You should write a book, you know, Kindle book or whatever. You got to have multiple uh, streams of revenue in this business. If you don't, you're going to go out. You, that starving artist thing is real. Mm -hmm. You know, so you got to build a brand. Like people got to know because there's social media now, people can get to know you. Without ever meet, without ever meeting, mm -hmm. it depends on how you post, how you do things. You know, people can get to know you, and then once they get to know you and like you and feel like they are part of you, then they'll purchase. Them. Mm -hmm. Jewel number four or five or six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> you dropping jewels, brother. You dropping, you dropping them. You dropping them. Uh next question is this man what's your what's your what's your next slash biggest move i'm writing an autobiography right now um uh i don't know i mean it's just you know my daughter's in film school so we're gonna see what happens my mm. youngest okay you know she might be going into the film business like, who knows that's what's up but really, I don't. I don't really. I kind of plan things, but I, I, I'm a kind of a fly by the seat of my pants type person, you know. So I kind of, you know, I have a plan, but it usually varies off multiple ways, and it depends on which which avenue I choose to take. That's the advantage of having multiple degrees and multiple skills because it makes me very flexible. Right. Do you? Can you DJ? And I what? DJ. No, but I got a set of 1200s over here. <laughs> hey, man, I'm mad. <laughs> man, I couldn't scratch a record if I couldn't scratch a record if I tried. So, so have you ever, well, of course you have. So, what at what point in your career did you have to get turntables in order to sample things or put put things into your, your, your mix? What, I mean, what, that, when, happened, you know, that happened, you know, that happened back doing the new kids days in Berkeley and stuff like that because actually I worked on the very first Pro Tools. They okay. sent it to the studio Maurice Starr, so we wasn't even doing that yet. You know, everything, I started in the analog era, so we were still cutting tape. So when you had to, you know, DJs, we had to put it on tape and cut the tape and slice it. It wasn't no cut, copy and paste on the computer because we wasn't using that yet. Right. So that's where I started back then. And uh, we would have DJs. Well, they say I was smart enough to call a DJ who could do that to come in and do. It. And I yeah. just pressed the card. 
Right. Okay. I was about to ask that question as well. So you you use DJs to call them in and they do what they have to do, and then you cut and splice. One thing, one thing that you learn that one thing that you have to learn as a producer that you can't do it. So you have to being a producer like mm-hmm. these guys around here. They say, you know, I'm the producer. No, you're the beat maker. Right. You know what I'm saying? You're the beat maker. You're not the producer. That's not even a, the, the role of a producer. Right. Producer is like a chef. And all of these musicians and beat makers and all that, these are all your ingredients. So what you're doing is you're taking all these degree ingredients and you're trying to mix them together and, and cook it up so that something comes out tasting or sounding good. That's mm-hmm. the role of producer. Right. So you got to know that this person's vocal here will work good with this one. This rap right here sounds good on the track. This dude here makes the kind of beats I want. You know, this DJ could scratch the he might have scratch good on this one, but he can't. He don't sound good on that. Right. You got to know how to put the right people in. That. That's okay. one of the biggest things about being <laughs> is dealing. Being producer to me, producing is managing egos and personality. That's the, the biggest. That's that's the that the biggest part, part is is managing <laughs> the egos and personality. That's that's the biggest. Part. You dropped another jewel, boy. It's it's it's, it's hot in here, man. It's hot. <clears throat> I appreciate you for following through, man. What advice do you have <clears throat> just in general for the general public, man? You know, we got this pandemic thing going on and a whole lot of stuff, man. When we get ready to get back set, man, for the producers and engineers, the musicians and all of that, what do they need to do first? Well, right now, man, like anybody I'm working with, I'm telling you, you're sitting down, you, you, you've been down since February. Develop as much content as you can get. If you're not doing anything else, so you might as well sit down and do a lot of writing, a lot, a lot of recording, a lot of producing. Just build your build your library. Mm-hmm. Build, build your library and spend a lot of time on social media. You need to be on it every day. Like I tell cats, if you're sitting in the studio, sometimes I might come in the studio and I just be listening to some mixes, and I got the camera running. Mm-hmm. I'm not even talking. I just had the camera running, and I'll have three or four hundred people have come through my page just to see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So you have to stay relevant. Even It don't even have to be much, but just stay relevant because, believe me, out of sight, out of mind, they'll forget about you real fast. Yeah. So you got to stay relevant. You got to stay in the mix. People got to see you on a regular basis. But at mm-hmm. the main, meanwhile, you need to be in the studio just cutting track. By the time this pandemic is over, you should have three, three to four albums completed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or at least three or four albums worth of material, and then you can put an album out. And if the stuff that you don't use, and you turn around, and you sell it. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Issa Jacqueline Mona Lay says. Ron allows artists to develop themselves. He is patient and understanding, but focused on the overall creation of that person's art. Thank you, sir, and I hope to see you, see him soon. All right. Now, there's one thing I learned from Quincy Jones. He said one of the, one of the best things, best ways for him to create a positive project is to be flexible with the artists in the studio. Like Mm -hmm. you can't be in there and tell an artist it's got to be like this. You got to sing it like this. It's got to be just like this. That's that. You won't get good results. Whereas, let them be creative. Let them be creative. Like I, you know, I can hum a tune, but I don't sing. You, you understand right. the difference? Mm-hmm. I can hum a tune, but I don't. I ain't no singer, singer. Right. So how am I gonna? How am I going to tell somebody like Willie Clayton? How am I going to explain to him? how he should sing his song. Mm-hmm. I got to let him do what he do. And then from there, I can tweak it. I can shape it from there and make it, you know, I can fix it up. But mm-hmm. you got to let the artist be creative. And then if I hear something in my head that I think might be cool, then I'll just say, hey, man, what? A, let's try this and see what this sounds like. And if you know, and then that way they're a lot more open to suggestions. And when once they, if you know, and they'll go and record it, and then at that point we both can make a decision on whether or not it's good enough. Okay. 
right. But it's, it's all about give and take in the studio. You have to you have to do give and take. You can't be a dictator. You know, you got to really dictate, give and take. Give and take. That's how I operate. That, that, that's your, that's your uh, experience in it. All right. Well, well once I mean, again, man. It's just, it's, just, it's just a lot easier because you end up getting you end up getting those little gems that I would have never thought of. Right. Uh-huh. You know, I would have never thought of it because I don't, that's not what I do. I don't think. I don't play that's, the guitar. You know what I mean? Right. That's so not I can't tell this guitar player. I can all I all I got only thing that I can give you is the basic structure of what I want. Now what you do with that structure is up that's to on you. you. It's on you. You I brought you in the studio because I want your sound on the track. If I mm-hmm. if, if I want you to play what I'm doing, I could have did it myself. Right. I want you <laughs> I want you to put your flavor on the track. Okay. All and right. All right. Well, this is King's Corner People. And we're honoring Ron Carbo, producer, mogul, engineer, and uh, he has some legal stuff going on as well. So we want to put that into the atmosphere, man. And once again, man, this is created, man, life on our successful, want to be successful, and our positive uh, black uh, men figures, man, in, in, in the state of Mississippi and surrounding areas. Uh, tell the people how to get in contact with you, man. Soul Kitchens. Uh... I, I, I want to say one more thing before we jump off here. Okay. Young artists today have a tool that you and I didn't have back then. They got YouTube and Google. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for you not to understand what's a copyright, what's licensing, what's BMI and ASCAP, you know, what how publishing works. How to, how to, how, you know, what is a manager supposed to do? What does a management contract look like? You know, what's the licensing agreement? You got all that access at your fingertips, all that knowledge. Take advantage of it. I spend every day, I spend at least two hours on YouTube or Google researching stuff that I don't even know anything about. Mm-hmm. Personal development in this business, you have to constantly. Because the technology is changing so fast, you got to stay on top of the game. Especially if you're on the production side. Right. Absolutely. Constantly. It's changing every every three to six months. Mm-hmm. All right, people. That's from Ron Carbo. Soul Kitchen. Tell the people how to get in contact with your man for that big business. And they can hit me. At, the easiest way to hit me is on social media. Ron Carbo, R-O-N-C-A-R-B-O on Facebook. And Ron Carbo one on Instagram, R O N C A R B O one on Instagram. That's the easiest way to find me. Okay. All right. I thank y'all. I thank the fans. I thank you, sir, for being who you are. Continue doing what you're doing, and man. And I'm gonna hit you up for some advice as well, man. Because you know, I, I I mess around with just just a little bit, just a tad bit. I want to throw that in the atmosphere. Let y'all know that I do a little engineering and, and that type of stuff too, man. So uh I might be hitting you up for some consultation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, two black, too strong, man. This is King's Corner, man. I'll see y'all next week on King's Corner, and I'll see y'all tomorrow or maybe later on tonight with a little more. I appreciate you, Ron Carbo. Love you, man. Take care, man. Keep doing anytime, what you're doing, man, bro. Anytime you need, anytime you need, need to holler or whatever, just hit me up. Gotcha. All right, thank you. King's Corner, Two Black, Two Strong, Mega Blast. Peace, people. This is Asiatic Black telling you about space age marketing and printing. We're still here to serve you with flyer design services available for all your marketing needs. Have a drawing that you need enhanced and brought to life. We have CD insert design services available. During this time of trouble. Logos starting at $100. Full service printing, including flyers, brochures, and business cards. And remember, Space Age Marketing and Printing is still here to serve you. Call and place your order today at 601-272-8055. Are you tired of being sick? If your answer is yes, visit Herbal Blessings. 
This is Dr. Asiatic Black. We live in a world of addictive foods, habits, stress, and we know firsthand that it's a challenge to make changes to our lifestyles. Herbal Blessings is supporting your journey to better health. Herbal Blessings has what you need. Herbal Blessings has over 250 herbs, herbal blends, tea bar, sage, gemstones, and more. Open Tuesday through Saturdays, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Located at 614 North Ferris Street in the Ferris Street Historic District. Stop by and feed your body what it needs. Give us a call and book your consultation at 769-216-3450. Boost your immune system today. Herbal Blessings. <laughs> a blessing that is not in disguise. This is Asiatic Black reminding you to check out Temple Reconstruction Fitness. That's Temple Reconstruction Fitness. Located at 1625 East County Line Road, Suite 170, Jackson, Mississippi. Now check this out. This, 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 this is what we offer. Weight training, core training, flexibility, nutritional recommendations with low registration fees. Come on by and check us out. Class times, Mondays and Wednesdays starting at 6 a.m. and 7 p.m. And Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Register today at www www.templerecfitness.com Check us out on social media or call 601-899-2961 Temple Reconstruction Fitness